0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Photographic Collective Podcast. Y'all, my name is Miles with Boyer. Uh, guys, for over 50 episodes now, we've been going at this podcast with just the sole focus on helping you uplevel your business, just exposing you to new stories, new creatives, new inspirations. Uh, over the last half of the season, Jared has been joining me in the, uh, in the, in the hot seat as we interview and share and just sort of enjoy all of this new material together. And today, uh, today's conversation is proof that literally everything can be found on the internet. Uh, did you guys know that there is actually a marketing company, that their entire role, their entire job is to focus on the wedding photography industry? Did y'all know that? today I'm sitting down uh, with with 50% of uh, Ron and Jesss marketing I've just got Ron on the call today but y'all this is a guy with a really clear finger on the pulse of the industry but also a really brilliant mind towards marketing and solving problems that all of us as photographers are facing so whether you are trying to dive into how to best handle social media advertising or SEO or just developing a really bold brand voice you guys this this episode is absolutely for you. I really enjoyed my time with Ron. I think the, uh, the thing that's going to come through maybe the most for you guys is the fact that Ron and Jess are in the weeds just as much as most of us are. They're figuring out this stuff right alongside us, but they're doing the hard work. They're doing the proactive work for their photographers so that uh, their clients can spend more time with a, com- uh, with a camera in their hands. So without further ado... And without me going on and on and spoiling the whole thing, let's click over to my conversation with Ron from Ron and Jess Marketing. Okay, we—I told you we were just going to click record and keep chatting, and <laughs> and it's it's worked. Um, I, I want to um, I want to ask you like all kinds of questions though, because but what I, I don't, don't want to do is interview you because that's boring and, and nobody wants to yeah. listen to that crap. But I nah. after our call the other day, um. I was kind of blown away. I'll be completely honest with you, dude. I was I was actually kind of like shocked that the industry, like the photo and the wedding industry specifically, is so yeah. robust, it's so healthy that it supports small marketing companies like you and Jess. Yeah. Playing only to us. Like yes. your entire life is taking care of us. Yeah. I, that's not a question. That's just a statement. I just think it's really cool okay. <laughs> that 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 you exist. So, but like back me up just a hair because I, I know you you mentioned to me like pre-call, you guys started in 2017, right? Yeah. We so did. our industry has taken a couple like major turns since then, like major shifts. Mm-hmm. So like catch me up. Give me the five minute what, what have you seen change? Or like maybe what are the largest things that you've had to learn to adapt to since everybody was living in like influencer world in
1: 2017? Hmm. Um. Obviously COVID had a really big impact. I mean, that changed the whole world. So the wedding industry was mm-hmm. not immune to that in any way. And um, Jess and I are really grateful all the time that we did start our business several years before that happened because it gave us a... An opportunity to see a lot of the way that things were already operating at that time. And to kind of circle back to what you said about us catering specifically to wedding photographers, because we do. um, I think it's necessary in marketing. I really do. I think, you know, I started out working, you know, way back in the day with other kinds of business owners and stuff. And you know, I found that it's, it's really difficult to jump from like one industry to the next. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of the idea in order to like truly have like effective marketing, you really got to have your finger on the pulse of like what's going on. Like you need to know a lot about like that industry and the way that it operates and the specific subsects of it and everything. And that's actually one of many reasons why we niched it down the way that we did and decided to work with specifically wedding photographers because I felt we had to. Um, but I was grateful that we got to do all of that prior to the pandemic and everything happening because we did get to see a little bit of kind of the way that the wedding industry had been operating for a really long time. And um, through that, obviously, a million and one different things changed into what it is that we have now. And I think Justin and I were actually talking about this earlier this morning. And, um in our opinion, I think one of the biggest things that's changed that we've had to adapt to is that things are far more personal than what they were before. Mm. And um, mm. I think that you could make the argument that in the wedding industry, things have always been personal to a certain degree, because it's people's wedding. Like, it's one of the most personal things that happens in your life. But I, I do think that there was a certain amount of, like, just accepted systematizing that was happening yeah. before. okay. Yeah. And I I think it it becomes even more obvious if we think back a little bit further to like how like our grandparents got married and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I I think there was very much a formula to that, you know, like you, you got engaged and actually at the wedding, you know, like most people went to a church and then you went to the hall and this this was this was how you got married. These were the steps of it. And I think that we had already, in our opinion, seen the industry deviating away from that a little bit and making things a little bit more personal to each couple, like. Well, how do you want to get married? Like, what's important to you? What do you want to be celebrating? And I think that in recent years, now like since COVID and stuff like that, we're just seeing like even more of that. And that's been one of the biggest things that we've had to adapt to is that it's it's just far more prevalent and far more important, I think, that to be focusing on those kinds of things and understanding that the personal relationship and the connections that the couples are having between like themselves and their photographer, who is obviously very intimate vendor, like you're going to spend a lot of time with this person on yeah. your wedding day more than any other vendor, that the the personal aspect of that and the connection and the relationship and the rapport that goes into that and how you build those things and cultivate it through marketing and the use of things like ads and stuff like that, which are inherently not very personal, um, has been very, very important for us. And I think a, a lot of what we bring to our clients is just helping them to do that.
0: God, dude. Okay. I don't even know if you are aware of this, but you just dropped more information in the first five minutes of that podcast than I think (laughs) a lot of our guests do in an hour. (laughs) I mean, we haven't even explained who the heck you are yet, Ron. Like, (laughs) slow down, take a breath, sip your coffee.
1: Um, My coffee was taken away prior to this. I'm on water. (laughs) Okay. I'm
0: I'm like trying to catch up right now with everything that you just said. And I couldn't possibly agree more. So... Okay, so like, let me set the scene just a little bit for for our listeners that maybe aren't aware of um, of who you and Jess are, okay. because I, I think I just sort of like hinted at that. But I um, can you tell us a little bit about like where you are and the company that you guys started?
1: Sure. Um... So my wife, Jess, and I run Ron and Jess Marketing. We do specialize in working with specifically wedding photographers. As you mentioned earlier, we did start back in 2017. So as of right now, we're going into our sixth year. And we work one-on-one with our clients. Over the last six years, we've worked with over 100 wedding photographers all across the United States and Canada. And... um it's given us a lot of insight into all the different ways that you could run this kind of business, and all the different goals, and you know what people want out of it. And it's um, it's great. I love it. I love the people that we work with. I love that we get to be a part of helping other, you know, usually smaller businesses just like us. You know, husband and wife teams or just solo entrepreneurs who are out there braving it all on their own. Um, there's a lot of kinship that we feel with these people, and it's a uh, it's great. I love that we get to help them in some way, and I've no intentions of stopping anytime soon. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude. Okay, so this is what's cool to me is you know, we've talked on this podcast and and you and I name-dropped all kinds of names when we did our like mm. little kind of pre-show chat about some really big names, some really big coaches that have been that've been on here as guests and and friends of mine. But you know what what occurs to me that I think is really cool is I would bet most wedding photographers um, you know, like the vast majority, not necessarily people at the, at the extreme upper ends of the market, right? But just like the, not, and not the startups either. The, the middle of the road, like this is our full-time gig and we love our job, but we could always get better photographers, mm-hmm. have never even considered hiring a, a, a like a committed, a dedicated niche marketing company. And, and here you guys are, like, this is what you do. So tell me about, like, your photographers. Who are these people that hire you?
1: So Jess and I have had the benefit of working with all different kinds of people at all different kinds of levels. And I, I think that's part of what really enables us to help our clients, like, as individuals, Because, like I mentioned, there is like a million different ways that you could do this. There's a there's a million different levels that you could be at, and I think that most of the people that that we help and that we can serve the most are people that are in sort of a transition in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like you mentioned, like there is this huge swath of people that like this is their full time gig. You know, like maybe they're not running like you know several million dollars a year or anything like that, but like this is their job, it's their career, like it's what they're doing. But there's also the people that want that they're not there yet. You know, so they maybe they're still working a nine to five, and this is like a side gig for them. But they want to make that transition. That's a huge, very scary step.
0: Yeah. And so, you.
1: having someone that can help you with those kinds of things is extremely beneficial. Okay. But it let's stop there.
0: Let's jump. Let's just take the exit then, because I, I want to hear from you. Because I, the, the thing that that blew me away when we were talking was was how practical a lot of this stuff can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I often think of. I mean, we do, we we host a pretty large coaching program and and uh, and you know offer a lot of advice for photographers. But I often think I think way up in the clouds, and I'm blown away from from sort of this nerdy marketing mind about how <laughs> pragmatic you could. Okay, so yeah. let's just get, paint me a picture. Okay, so we've got a we've got a photographer that is working a, a full time gig and is desperate to like it hates their job, right? Mm. And they've they've got a family, they've got a passion, they have this camera that they know, they know they're good at it. Where does that person start turning like passion into profession?
1: So you and I talked the other day and we talked about like at, at what point does it become a good idea for somebody to bring in like marketing help or a coach or whatever. And like, you know, if, if someone's making that sort of a transition, that that's a good time to consider, I think, those kinds of things. I think it's really important that that person probably consider who they're talking to and like what kind of service, you know, that they're going to be offering. And that's one of the reasons why Jess, have, Jess and I have always really liked k- kind of the two different aspects of our business and that we do provide those like done for you services, but we also have like the coaching and the guidance and stuff that comes with it. So with that kind of person who wants to make that transition, I think that's a phenomenal time to be getting in touch with people like Jess and I, because having helped so many people through that transition, that's where we can get specific on how they want to do it. So you talked about like the practical steps of like, how do you transition from having a full-time job into being full-time in your wedding photography business? That's a really important question, but I think I would have questions for that person first. I would say, what do you want that to look like? What kind of like full-time wedding photography business are you trying to run? You know, do you have a family to support? Do you want to shoot 30 weddings a year? Do you want to shoot 50 weddings a year? Do you want to shoot five weddings a year? Like, what does that look like to you? Because how you transition between those two different things is going to be impacted by all of those things whether or not you just start running ads and building funnels and building up a lot of potential may not necessarily be the best way to go. It it could be a better option for you to be focusing a lot more on like your networking and working with like the different venues yeah. in your area and things like that. Because depending on the, the number of weddings that you want to shoot and the type of weddings that you want to shoot, that may actually be a better way of going about it. And so sometimes just sort of like, you know, releasing the marketing dogs and just like, let everything go and blow up the social. Mm -hmm. And like, let's, let's, let's max out the ad spend. Like it's not always necessarily the best way to go. It depends on what are you trying to do? So everybody's transition ends up becoming a little bit different and working with people that have done that a lot of times with a lot of different people can help you then narrow down the right steps for you specifically on how to do that.
0: see. And that's the answer right there. And I think there's something really special about what you just said, because I, I think that, you know, so so often in the industry, we're really quick to define se- success as just more. Yeah. Like volume is success, more money, yeah. more clients, more reach, more fame, more whatever. But I think most of us would look at success and say there's actually a lot of variance in there. Sure. And so having somebody that comes in as a as a like a really a partner, not a marketing mm-hmm. team, but sort of a partner, and says like, hey, we want we want to be successful because you're successful. That's really special. So. I'll tell you, we, um, when we onboard uh, coaching clients, the hardest question, we have this long questionnaire we send out, the hardest question that we ask people, and it's the most telling to me of how, how easy it is for them to answer this question. But the hardest question is, um, if, if we could point you in the direction to accomplish every one of your five-year goals in the next year, all of them in the next year, what would you be willing to sacrifice for that? (laughs) Yeah. And you know what blows me away? I love that you laugh at that because you know that what blows me away is some people are so quick to be like, oh, I'd sacrifice. I would give everything. Take my leg. Yeah. Right? But most people have never considered the kind of sacrifice that it takes to sort of chase down effective marketing. Yeah. Um, And there is some sacrifice there. So, So talk me through them because I know you guys are clearly experts in a number of things, right? Like, you know, SEO, well, you know, uh, ad spend very well, obviously, and, and social marketing and, you know, growing a probably organic as well as a, as a you know, paid, a boosted social uh, platform. Mm-hmm. When you say marketing to somebody, what do you think the first thing that, uh, that comes up in most wedding photographers' minds is? Like, how do, how do we picture marketing?
1: That is a really tough question. How do wedding photographers picture marketing? Um, again, and I hate to keep doing this. I really feel like it depends on the individual person, because I think if you asked them that question, I could, I could probably tell you a lot more about somebody's mindset based on how they answered that question Mm -hmm. based on, as opposed to like predicting what I think that they think about it. Um, I think that, well, I mean, we do the same thing. We have like a lot of initial like uh, onboarding phone calls and stuff like that with people. And questions like that is things that I ask people. What does success look like to you? How many weddings do you want to do this year? How many weddings do you already have? How many weddings do you want to do next year? What does all of this look like to you? What marketing things are you already doing? And it's based on their their answers to these questions that I learn a lot about their mindset and where they are And then based on their goals and where they tell me that they want to go, that helps me to formulate the plan with them and understand what do they know, what do they not know, and what do they need to know for the direction that they go. Most of the time, people will fall into one or two kind of basic categories. When you talk about marketing, there's people that view it, strictly speaking, as an expense. And these Mm -hmm. are people that will ask you questions like they view it as part of their overhead. So they'll ask you questions like, what is the cost? What are my commitment to these things? What's this? What's that? Those are all perfectly valid and very important questions to be asking. But because they're asking those questions first, that tells me that they're viewing it from an an inherently kind of limited perspective because they're only viewing this from like a a negative standpoint and that's going to hinder their growth and like the places that they can go. The other category of people will ask those same questions, but they'll ask other questions too. They'll also ask me things about like, what is the average ROI? Like, what is the timeline for the return on these things? What happens with, you know, these sort of things that people invest in? How should I invest in those sorts of things? That tells me a lot about that person's perspective, because while they still want to know the numbers, because that's important. I'm never suggesting that anybody just right. play willy nilly with their business. That's not a good idea, but they're viewing it from a much more positive perspective. They're viewing it as potential potential. And I think that that speaks to kind of their mindset and their worldview as a whole. These are people that are now looking at everything in terms of potential. And I think that those are the kinds of people that often do so much better, not only because they started from that perspective, but also as we're working with them. I'll notice a difference in these people, too, and how they approach a lot of different things. That when you start putting that work and stuff, like you said, marketing stuff like that, it's work, like there's stuff that comes with it. And when I put work in front of people, they'll respond to that differently. They, they they have questions for me. They they want to know, like, how do I get better at this? How do I change that? Because to them, it's all potential. It's all possibility. Yeah. There's like limitless things that they could, you know, explore and grow into. And I think that most photographers are going to fall into one of those two camps that anybody can slip into one or the other. There's gray area for everything. Um, but I think that those are the two main mentalities that I see. This is either an expense and it's part of my overhead, or it's just, another thing. It's another, you know, source of potential for me. It's a new thing that I can explore and, and grow even more with. And I think it's a massive difference.
0: Dude, that's a, but that's a, that's a huge answer
1: because I think what you just asked people to, to say,
0: and I, I realize that you're saying there's a lot of variants. There's a lot of gray in there, yeah. but what you just asked people that are listening, like our listener base to do is to say like, Hey, what is your perspective? On marketing. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how are you utilizing this word? This, like, maybe, and maybe it's kind of a loaded word. Like, maybe we've got a, we've, we, oh, for sure. It's a safe <laughs> word. Let's call it, a, let's armadillo. Like, <laughs> how is it that you are engaging your network from a stance of increasing the value of your product? And that—that's like that's the most basic element here, right? Is successful marketing increases the value of the service behind it. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily increase the volume; it just increases the value. True. And often you end up increasing volume to increase value, right? But um, man, what I—what I'm—what I—I guess what I'm most curious about then, because I keep getting here, and now now we're here, so I'm ready to land this freaking plane. I don't have a plane, everyone. Um, maybe after Ron works with me, I can afford a very crappy, <laughs> very small plane. Um, what does success look like for, for you then? Because you're individualizing this process so much mm-hmm. and you guys are sitting alongside these couples in such a like, or these, these photographers in such a like intimate and intentional way. How is it that you gauge whether or not you guys are doing a great job?
1: That I think is far easier for me to answer Um, because I I, I can give you an easy one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that Jess and I define success just by like our daily life. Um, I don't have like a long term vision of like, I want to retire by this age and I want to do this thing. So, like, that's not really. In my mind, how we define it personally, Um, I define it a lot more by the day to day and like, what am I doing on the average day? And does that make me happy? And I know based on myself that I'm made happy by new things, new experiences. That's why I love tech. And things like that. Because every time something new comes out, you know, I respond to it like, ooh, what is this? <laughs> like, I want, I Where's want the to power button? You. Yeah. Like, I, was, how, I how sure wish work? you were helping
0: me set up this stupid new monitor. <laughs> anyway,
1: go ahead. So when we started on that, I was like, what do you got going on? How, how mm-hmm. does it work? Um, because I know that that's something that um, is a passion of mine. So I want to have that in my day-to-day. I know that Jess and I both care deeply about people. Uh, we're, we're very, very, very much people- People, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's why I hit on earlier and I said that, you know, um, a big part of what we enjoy about what we do is being able to be there and be a part of somebody else's business and them reaching their goals and building like this life that they want and, and having whatever it is that they define as success. To me, that's what success is for me. If I can spend every day working with great people, doing nerdy tech stuff and the things that I love doing, while at the same time, helping other people to reach whatever it is that they define as success for themselves. So I'm ultimately just spreading more like just positivity and like good things in the world. Then for me, that's success. If I could spend every single day doing that and at least be able to like pay for my house and feed myself and things like that and like take care of like my essentials as a human being um, in the process, then like, that's great. That's what I want. And that's what success is. And I feel like we are already successful because that's already what I have.
0: Man that's so that's so cool to hear that. I mean I I've I've chatted with so many people uh both on this podcast and just friends and people in our coaching programs that um they have a very limited perspective on where they can go. You know and and so they maybe that means that they, you know, like the ultimate goal is to win a looks like film award or win a fearless award, or mm. the ultimate goal is to be a rangefinder rising 30, or the ultimate goal is to book their first $10,000 wedding. But what I realize and I notice frequently with these same people is that the question, then what, <laughs> is really yeah. scary. Yeah. Because they've set a goal for themselves that seems practical enough. And it seems achievable enough, albeit difficult, but achievable. And then you say, then what? Yeah. And suddenly you watch people sit back and they feel off balance and they they get nervous and and antsy. And what you've just done is you've exposed probably the most uh, fragile, vulnerable element of their business, which is that there isn't vision. And one of the things that that really struck me when we were chatting um, uh, kind of the pre-show banter was you kept making this, this statement over and over again. I have it written down here. You kept talking about developing your voice. Yeah. Man, once you develop your voice, there isn't an end game because you've gotten something that is, it's invaluable, it's beautiful. And so whether it exists on Meta or it exists on Google or it exists on a podcast or it exists you know, at a coffee shop across from a friend. How is it that a marketing team, whether that's you and Jess or just just anybody, how is it that a successful marketing team can help somebody find that?
1: In a couple different ways. Um, part of it is just asking the right questions. Having worked with enough people and done things, and I'm sure you see this like in the coaching and stuff, that's a big part of it. Um, a lot of times, like people will guide themselves to the right answers because I don't I don't know what the answers are for them. They're a completely different person. I don't know yeah. what's going to make them happy or what their voice is or what defines like success for them. All I can do is just ask them guiding questions that will help them to mull these things over and think about like what that means to them. Because then once they have that, that's when the practical side comes in. That's when we talk about like, okay, this is how we test these certain things. This is where we get data and stuff from. This is the business side of things. These are the things we can help you with in terms of dealing with like certain data and algorithms and stuff like that so you don't have to, so that you can focus on these other things. And that's where it does get really practical. I think that it's up to them really to define first what that is though and like, and like what makes them happy. And I think that, that once you have that, that's an extremely powerful thing. as like an entrepreneur and a business owner because now that is the end game. Like I described earlier, I feel like I'm already at the end game. I have what I want. This, this is what I enjoy doing. I'll continue growing forever. If we do this again five years from now or something like that, I'll probably run it in a very different business than what it is that I'm running I now hope because so. I'm not going to stop. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep going and keep doing things, but I'm going to be happy the whole way. Because I'm, I've already defined what it is that I love and what fuels me. And like, I drink coffee, but I don't need it. <laughs> like, it's no. already in me. And if you can help ask the right questions and guide somebody to that so that they have that, now it's just a matter of bringing in the steps. Now you you structure the test like this and you run ad spend like that. And this is how you evaluate the numbers so that you can utilize all of that to your fullest advantage. Um but yeah, you have to have that first. <laughs> Dude, okay. So you just laid the groundwork completely there.
0: So the first place that we, that we have to start, right, is, uh, is just in kind of gathering what, what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. And then once you hit, sort of wrap your mind around what you want, then we can start to talk about who you are. Yeah. And then after we start to talk about who you are, then you start to get to work on how we get there. Yes. Right. Okay, so so right now I know like the, the majority of the industry, I mean, this is like a, a conversation that everybody is having, but I don't feel like people are backing into it from quite this blunt a perspective. The social media landscape is rapidly changing. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean- and, and changing by, for instance, like I, I Googled before we got on our call today. I Googled and I was like curious, like, yeah, somebody give me a an honest perspective of meta. Just I just wanted it. And you know what I ended up with? I ended up with a Forbes article. I should probably cite this somehow. But I ended up with a Forbes article that was written early this year. I mean, we're only like a couple of weeks into this year mm-hmm. that was like, basically talking about the fact that Meta was just a, it was a dumpster fire. It was like, a, you know, like, there's a, there's a brush fire going on, and, and uh-oh. Yeah. And yet, there's, there's an incredible amount of, of time and opportunities still to be captured on there. So, so, how is it that you guys are getting out ahead of what's happening with social media for your clients? Like, instead of being reactive, how does working with, with just a marketing agency in general— how do you guys proactively set the bar for where we're going to go and how we're going to do it? And then where's the benchmark for at what point do you change?
1: So I, I love that question. Cause I feel like it ties in perfectly to what we were just talking about of, you know, knowing your voice and what it is that drives you and just like what it is that you're trying to get out of your business. Because I feel like that is how social media has changed a lot and is currently changing a lot. And Justin and I were also talking about this this morning too. It used to be a few years ago that, and I'll use I'll use like ad copy and stuff as an example. So we'll try and keep it, try and keep me focused as much yeah. as possible here on, on, on one topic. Um, you used to be able to write really long form ad copy and you could get away with that a lot. You could sell a lot like through through ads and stuff like that, you could systematize so much of your sales process through between like your social media ads and your landing pages and like your follow-up email marketing. And then also, you know, things like your portfolio and your website, like you could sell so much through that. I think that those things are still important and you still have to have all of that stuff. But how people treat ad copy nowadays is a good example of how it's changing though. I don't recommend long Form ad copy anymore. I think it needs to get far more to the point, a lot quicker, because things are getting more personal. People don't want to go through big systematized funnels and stuff like that. And sure, it would be great, like if you just run all that stuff and then people just send you emails and they're like, "Where do I sign?" Like, I got to book you for my wedding. And that, I, I think that's that's what's changing. And so, I think it's easy to look at things like Meta and be like, you know. Meta has I won't get too much into them because like, they got their own stuff going on. But I think it is easy to point at them and be like, look at this big dumpster fire that's going yeah. on. It's terrible. People used to make all of this money with social media advertising before, and it's tanking. The whole thing's going under. And I disagree. I think that it's just changing. There are still so many people out there that are booking so many phenomenal weddings and doing so yeah. much stuff with social media ads and stuff like that, but it's because they're viewing it differently. Mm-hmm. They're utilizing it for the potential that it has, which is predominantly just exposure at yeah. this point. Like, you know, with, with the things that happened with like, you know, the yeah. iOS update and like the Facebook Pixel and how that affected all that and like data transfers between different things, like it's predominantly just exposure at this point there's people already, and I think, you know, Jess and I have definitely been doing a lot of this, you know, with our clients that are recognizing the fact that like, okay, the exposure is there. You can still buy it. You can still get your message in front of people. You just have to change like how you're viewing this process as a whole. Now it's not about, you know, creating this perfect, you know, client avatar, and then like writing copy that speaks exactly to them. And then putting all that stuff out there, that's, that's, those concepts are important. And I don't want to imply that they're going away entirely, but I'm saying that like, there's a lot of fluff in that. There's a lot of fluff in the world in general right now. And people are getting tired of it, especially people that got a lot to do. People are planning a wedding have a lot to do. So there's not really a lot of time for fluff. They're not interested in that kind of stuff. What they are interested in is their wedding making sure that they get what they want out of it and that it feels authentic to them. And so connection, like personal connection between the photographer and the couple is very, very important. Don't let the fluff get in the way of that. Utilize shorter forms of copy and things like that so that you can still benefit from social media. The whole social media thing hasn't completely collapsed to the ground yet. You never know. Five years from now, I probably won't even have it anymore, but whatever. We'll see. But You can still benefit from it, but just understand that you have to connect with people personally, one-on-one, because that's where sales happens. Marketing is like this bigger, high-level thing that's where it's like branding and all our stuff comes in, but sales, that happens on a one-on-one level. So get to that level as quickly as you possibly can, because then once you're there, if you are a photographer that, that you know who you are, you know what it is that you have to offer, you know what drives you, you're passionate about what's going on. Well, couples flock to that kind of stuff because it's just the kind of person that you've become. And then you get just great booking after great booking after great booking. But it's not because you convinced people through some big, fancy funnel. You just utilize the portions of tech that were available to your advantage. But then you just let yourself come through. Man, I feel like every generation,
0: there is this, uh, this sort of like figurative roadblock that pops up. So I've been doing this for just long enough now. I'm about to really age myself, but I've been doing this for just long enough now that um, I can remember I worked for, I was an intern for a film photographer. And I remember a couple of statements that he made that that rattle me daily. Number one, I remember holding uh, his Hasselblad and him looking at me and saying, the professional world will never go digital. Like, Digital is for hobbyists and soccer moms, but, the, but professionals will always prefer film. I mm-hmm. also remember him saying, no matter how good digital gets, it will never be better than film. And those are two statements that here we are, a, a couple, maybe a couple of professional generations later, but realistically, just about 15 years later, that I think 95% of the industry would completely disagree with. Right, and would say like, "Hey, we we are there. Actually, digital sensors are more sensitive. They're more capable. The the uh, you know ability that we have is more in tune. And so now you have a lot of fine artists that have held on. Thank God, because film is beautiful. But Mm -hmm. but they there was an entire generation of photographers that they waited too long to adapt. Mm. Right? They stayed in the weeds and they just buckled down and they said." My people, my clients, my art will never evolve. And they waited too long. And I think it's so powerful what you're saying right now because the way you're looking at at social media is by saying like, hey, let's capture what we can right now. Let's adapt as it changes. But then how do we prepare for what is coming when you can't Google like, what happens after instagram nobody knows the answer to that i'm right. sure that there's probably plenty of of responses to that but so from a marketing perspective how is it then that you guys set your your clients up to to be as i'm going to use the word future proof even though i realize there isn't a thing but as future proof mm-hmm. as possible
1: so I won't speak to like the film and stuff specifically because, admittedly, again, I'm not a photographer. (laughs) I have no idea as far as those things go. But in my opinion, I think probably the one or probably the largest mistake that that person made that you're talking about was that they were only considering it from their perspective. It was that person's opinion on what would happen with film versus digital and things like that. And that's why it went awry because no person is ever going to be right 100% of the time. It just doesn't work like that. So, to answer your question of like, how do we attempt to like future proof our clients is yeah. it by really, really emphasizing a couple first perspective. That is always the most important thing because you will always know more than the couple. That's true. You've done a gajillion of these weddings, you're going to know so much more about what mm-hmm. could possibly happen and stuff than what they will. That's true. But as a service provider and a business owner, You have to understand that, like, this is your market. This this is what fuels your business. Is what keeps you in business. And so what they want and what's important to them is always has to be the most important thing. It's tough. I'm sure like, like as an artist, because there's an aspect of like yourself, obviously, that you're giving, you know, with the service that you're providing. So not to discount that in any way. But I think what helps keep people ahead of the curve is always just keeping an eye on like, what is their customer doing? Because like you said, you can't just Google search, like what happens after Instagram because nobody knows. But what we do know is that it will happen after Instagram and it will replace Instagram because it will be where the couples have gone. It will be Mm -hmm. where the market has moved to. So if you want to future-proof yourself and you want to keep an eye on the way that things are going, look at your customers. Where are they going? If they're starting to do this thing or they're starting to do that thing and they're moving in that way, resist the temptation to look at everything that's happened in the past and say, well, that can't happen. That's not possible. That's not how it works because that's how you end up going out of business. You're living in the past. If you want to future-proof yourself or you want to make sure that your business keeps growing and moving in a good direction, watch where your customers are going keep an eye on what it is that they want. There's phenomenal ways to test that. It's one of the reasons why I love tech. I know we talked mm-hmm. before on another call about how like data and stuff will help guide you in that direction. Always take data with a grain of salt. You're the business owner. You're still driving the ship. So at the same time, like you don't have to do what the data says. But at the same time, if you want to know where things are going and the adjustments that you need to make, well, look at that. I would have told that same person, Look at Instagram and things like that when it already comes out. These are digital platforms. These are where people are. So even if what you're saying, even if that was true, that digital would never surpass film, it may not need to because the customer base may not care. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes down to it, they're not fine art collectors. This isn't a gallery. That's not the customer base you're talking about. If you were talking to gallery owners or fine art collectors, then yes, that's that's what you would want to pay attention to but specifically for the wedding industry, 99% of the time, that's not what you're talking about, which means they have their own opinions about what's important to them. And if the ease of just being able to throw stuff on Instagram and tag grandma and stuff like that is what they want, well, then that's what's going to happen in the industry because that's what the customers want.
0: Dude. So it's really is this emphasis of understanding that regardless of how far down the artistic road we go, we're still serving. It's a service industry. The it product is, yeah. is a byproduct yeah. of, of the service. That's that's the hardest thing. What I've noticed is when we coach photographers, the hardest thing to get across to them is that they want to work on their craft. They want to yeah. shape their craft. They wanna and they're so quick to compare their craft to other photographers and be like, why I, I can't charge as much as them, but my work is better. Why is yeah. it? You know, like I know I'm better than that person. And I'm like, well, something that they're doing in the way that they're serving their clients, the way that they're yeah. answering problems, and maybe even problems that the clients don't know exist yet, but they're yes. serving in a way that is more valuable. And so, yeah, it's possible that your photography is better, but you know what? They're not hiring photography. They're hiring a photographer. Yeah. And, and I, I love that you're that you, you kind of like coaching people in down that lane. Okay, so, so then let's, let's talk through... Briefly, let's talk through then some actionable steps, some like real, like get there for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I want to know before a photographer contacts you, and I sincerely hope that like our listeners, you guys, I, I really do. I hope that you guys at bare minimum, click down into the show notes and click over and like check out what Ron and Jess are up to because... It is, it's refreshing. I hope that you all hear that, but it's refreshing because it's just as authentic as the businesses that we're trying to build. Um, you know, this isn't like a, you know, a eclipse, I mean, it's something tacky. This is. This is Ron and Jess, and they're two people that you have access to. But before they reach out, what are some actionable steps that we can do as, as, you know, creatives to prepare our business
1: for growth? Ooh, that's a good question. How do you prepare for growth? Um, Reading is always extremely important. I think reading, asking questions, and just getting as many perspectives from different people as you possibly can, keeping in mind the expertise of the people that you're talking to. Okay, give me the book they have to start with.
0: I'm going to get you. I'm going to pin you down on this one.
1: Yeah. All right. Book they need to read. Read You're a Badass at Making Money by Mm. Jen Sisers. I think her last name starts with an S. It's phenomenal. I would recommend that book for any business owner of any type. You're a Badass at Making Money. You're a Badass at Making Money. Guys, if
0: you write that down, that's next on my list. I just like the title. I just hope she says it over and over again. I absolutely love it.
1: Her okay. writing style is absolutely hilarious. And she she goes through a lot of different points of like, how do you think about money and growth and how these things affect your business? I think that that is step one, like literally for anybody, because it's going to shape everything that you do moving forward. Um, how you start thinking about your service, how you start getting into those like testing, like running certain campaigns, like specifically to get data about different things as you're refining your shooting style and you're navigating playing that balance between the artistic aspect of yourself of what you're putting into this versus the fact that now that you've started a business, you are a service provider. Uh, Wilco said, what was once yours is everyone's from now on. That was them speaking to this, that like, as soon as you become a service provider, there's an aspect of it that is no longer yours anymore. And as you're navigating all of those things, starting with things like Jen's book are a really, really, really good place because it helps you to shape just how you think about what it is that you're doing as a whole. She's focusing more specifically on money. Um, I think that... Reading and getting in touch with those kinds of things and then reaching out to people like us and then people like yourself that are further down the road that can help start asking the right questions to be guiding you in that direction are all really, really important places to start. What I would be leery of is trying to Google search your way through business for too long. Okay. Um there's that's a complex. lot of really, really helpful information out there. And it's great that it is accessible by most people in the world through some way, shape or form, but there's a lot of old information incorrect information or just straight up misleading information mm-hmm. that's out there too. So whenever possible, as soon as it is financially possible for you, start investing in getting like one-on-one coaching and guidance from the right people. That can give you the right information because you'll make so much progress so much faster. So read and invest in talking to the right people.
0: Man, I uh, I love this. So we one of the things that we talk to when we onboard a coaching client is like, yes, it's expensive. It is, and of yeah. course, it's expensive. By it the expensive. way, it should be expensive. Yeah, however if that coach is doing an even decent job, they mm-hmm. should be able to build a timeline at what point you'll be able to recapture that expense really quickly. Like yeah. we should be able to show you, hey, realize you're going to have to invest. However, if we just do this, I'm betting we're four months from you being profitable on this expense. We're six months from you being profitable. You'll love this though. I, I, I had this conversation with, uh, with somebody that's in one of my coaching programs um, the other day. We're talking through uh, reading, understanding analytics. Okay. And every little nerd fiber on your body just perked up. I love it. Um, You're like, let's go feed me insights. (laughs) Okay. So we're talking through how to read analytics. And what I, I finally touched it. It's like, you know, something's always on the tip of your tongue. You don't know how to articulate it. I finally touched it with this, with this person, but in front of our small group where I said, hey, you don't win any awards by fixing broken systems. And what I mean by that is they were they were walking me through analytics. And here's a perfect example. They have, uh, based on their CRM, so which are probably not great data analytics, but based on their CRM, they have a 100% booking rate on friend referrals. Okay. 100%, right? They only have a 17% booking rate on like... Those large websites where vendor what do they call these things? That's good. the wedding wire or the knot. Let's just, I'm I don't mm. care. I'm gonna burn them because it's a joke. <laughs> they
1: only have
0: a 17%. Hold on, a wedding pro here. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Um, I'm gonna get fried on that one. But anyway, <laughs> they only have a 17% booking rate on that. And the conversation started with how do we increase that 17%? And I'm laughing. Because I'm like, why would you want to? You already have 100% booking rate on your friends. Why wouldn't you increase your network? Yeah. Why wouldn't you lean on the people that are evidently avid about booking you instead Mm -hmm. of like pouring more money down the funnel of hoping that that 17% goes to what, 19%? Yeah. So when, when people are talking through analytics... Where where can we start into actually making sense of what matters and what doesn't and, and removing the emotional element of analytics?
1: That's a really hard one. And that's one in which I would say you really probably should talk we to somebody about you. it. Yeah, like you need yeah, to talk to because it's it. so specific on like, Where is this traffic coming from? So when you were talking about like, you know, 100% versus 17%, my follow-up questions would be, where is that 17% coming from? Is it scalable? Like, what is your cost per lead there? That may not necessarily be a broken system. To look at it as 17%, be like, that's terrible. This is a waste of time. Maybe 17% booking rate may still mean several weddings a month to you if it's scalable and you can do it at a large enough scale and that it's not going to eat into your time. Mm-hmm. That's this is one of the reasons why like I think social media ads and things like that are so great is because like, to be honest, like if you look at the number of impressions that somebody's going to get on an ad versus like how many weddings they're going to get, it's ridiculous. I mean, you're talking about like 0.00001% or something yeah. like that. Anybody would look at that and be like, that's broken. It's not, though, because if you can scale it big enough and it's not going ca- like to cut into your ROI and it's not going to cut into your time, it may still be a valid approach. Ooh, okay. So to have somebody look at their analytics and be like, where do I even start? Where, where, like, what, what do I got to get rid of? I think what you suggested is really great. Like, Start with the things you're getting 100%. Those are mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah, <laughs> like, work on them. Refine yeah, those. Yeah. Find the ones where you're getting the largest booking percentage and then do as much as you can with that. But a lot of times they said, okay, friend referrals is a great example. It may be difficult to scale those rapidly within a short period of time. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, over the course of several seasons, you're going to be able to build up more of that stuff. You can expand your network and stuff like that. And yeah, networking and referrals is an amazing thing to be placing time and energy on, but it does take time. Mm-hmm. Which means in the meantime, you're still gonna have to look at those other things, too. It's just important to look at those other things with like kind of a critical eye and decide like what portions of these can I adjust and who can I talk to to let me know whether or not is seventeen percent bad? <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. So lightning round here because i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna go first. I'm okay. gonna ask you this question worst piece of business advice that you've had some, one of your clients, somebody was given to one of your clients that you had to fix. And I'm going to go first, uh, because I can remember very clearly early on in my business being called by a magazine and Mm -hmm. being told that uh, a full page ad was only $3,500, just a mere $3,500 for mm-hmm. this full page ad and all I needed to do was book one wedding from this full page ad and I would break even and so just imagine how much money it was it was unfathomable how much money I was going to make from <laughs> yeah. this ad and and so then I hired a designer of course because now it can't just be now it's an investment do you want to know how much money I made on that on that magazine ad <laughs>
1: You negative $4,000. <laughs> I lost
0: $4,000. And that was the last time that I purchased an ad in a print magazine. Okay. Yeah. Your turn. Go.
1: Okay. Um, I'll do a nerdy tech one. I have been told by several people before that they were told that if they wanted to test out social media ads, that they should just come up with something, put $5 on it, run it for one day. And if nothing happens, take, take it down. That's probably the worst advice that you could possibly get from anybody who knows anything about social media. As for one thing, the meta algorithm takes four to five days just to go through the learning phase, which means you didn't even make it through maybe one round of impressions. And there is not nearly enough data for you to determine anything about what it is you did. All you did was donate five dollars to meta. (laughs)
0: That's bad. That's like telling somebody that they should go and just pour half an ounce of any random liquid in their garage and sip on it and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just like a this, sip. No. <laughs> so probably antifreeze. Just a little sip isn't enough to kill you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's bad. Wow. Okay, that's embarrassing. Okay, let's let's do this. Most successful business story client that you that you've worked with. Don't give me their name because I'll be jealous. Okay.
1: Um, ooh, I got to go with this is a person that we worked with just recently, uh, recently actually. Um, just recently graduated high school, so very young person, um, was I already super, super proactive in what it was that she was doing. She had been uh, running her wedding photography business for three years already by the time she graduated high school. I double hate her. So she started this when she was like 14 or 15 years old and was already shooting weddings with just like, she's an amazing photographer. So like, obviously that really helps, but just like the kind of just straight up confidence that you only get as an 18 year old, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She went from graduating uh, high school to like full time in her business. Elected that college was not the thing for her and not the way that she wanted to go, so she made that decision, went full time in her business. Now has several associates that already work for her and she is also in the process of opening her own venue too and she is still not yet 21.
0: I quadruple hate this woman. She's amazing. She's, she's oh an gosh.
1: inspiration to literally everybody. And I love working with her because she's hilarious. You today. have to
0: tell us now because this, she sounds incredible and I, she deserves <laughs> the follows. What's, what is her name? I can't do it because we do have Come confidentiality clauses So a lot
1: of our clients.
0: Somebody so Google will, this for me. Hit me in the I show will, notes yeah. and I will send you a free water bottle or something. <laughs> I have to know who this person is. Uh, okay, so last, last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys taking on new clients right now? And if so, what's what's the process, the practical process for me to cut in line in front of all these people that are listening?
1: So you can just hit me up whenever. Uh, yeah, but, let's go. Uh, we are taking on new clients. We do have a limited number of clientele that we take on at any given time just because of kind of the personal one-on-one way in which we work with people. Um, Justin and I do have assistance and things like that and people who help us. But this is not like a big company. It's like mostly our time and energy. So there's a limit to the number of new people. But generally speaking, yeah, we are usually taking on new people. The easiest way is just to reach out directly. So you just go to our website, just ronandjustmarketing.com. Um, there's lots of information and stuff there. If you want to chat about literally anything, I'm always open for emails and things like that. Hello at Ron and Just Marketing is usually the quickest way to get a hold of us and I love answering questions and stuff for people. So if anybody has just random questions on stuff, please fire them away. I love I it. I
0: love so much. One of the things I wanted to like publicly applaud you for is you mentioned in in our kind of like research call ahead of this, that um, you guys are, you're always open. Like schedule a coaching call with with Ron mm-hmm. anytime. He'll absolutely sit down and give you as much advice as I'm sure he can pack into an hour. Yep. Um <laughs> but that you guys just from a like an ethical perspective you limit how many photographers can be in a region so that you're you're dedicating you know y'all's focus and your growth to that photographer i just wanted to tell you how special that is because what that actually is doing is allowing these photographers to be intentionally uh invested back into you yeah i think that's special there is absolutely and y'all that are hearing me right now listen up. There's absolutely cheaper alternatives out there. And this isn't one of those like you get what you pay for type of situations. Any kind of marketing advice is not going to be good marketing advice. We already tapped on that. But but I think what we're learning, what I'm learning is that by partnering with you guys, it seems like there's an opportunity to, to bring on somebody that has like a vested interest in seeing you grow. And, and that's really special as well. Um, so thanks for being like, for being that dude. I can't wait to meet Jess at some point. I'm a little, I I figured she was going to make at least a cameo, like a background cartwheel or something.
1: Yeah. She's just going to come in behind me real quick and just.
0: (laughs) She really should. I'm a little offended to be honest, but that's okay. I'm sure I will probably like, I'm sure you guys will be speaking at WPPI at some point and I will be like, you know, front
1: row fangirling. Yeah, um, we, we will have a really hard time getting Jess up on stage at any point. I've very much always been more of like the face of mm-hmm. what we do. Um, everybody's Which got means role, she's so the bro. brains.
0: Can we all just agree on that? Yep, that's <laughs> yeah, that's how
1: that works. I'm in
0: that relationship <laughs> that as well. That is very much what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I'm married to that same woman. So, okay. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking, I know like an hour, an hour of your time. I've seen your rates. Uh, an hour of your time is valuable. And, uh, man, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, to be able to like share that hour with a, with a whole slew of people. And, um, guys, the, the sincere hope here is not that this was like a marketing, uh, like an advertisement for Ron and Jess marketing. Um, just like with every single other one of our guests, the goal is not for you guys to go like invest in them. The goal is for you to do your due di- diligence and understand that like not marketing isn't an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you don't know what you're doing, right? Well, here's a guy <laughs> that that is is clearly not only like capable, but is willing to help. And I, I think that's, there's something really special there. So um, man, you mentioned already the name of the website and the email address. Um, are you guys pretty active on social? And if you're not, I'd be pretty judgy.
1: Uh, feel free to judge. So that's one thing that actually takes a lot of people by surprise. We are not, we're okay, not active go. on social. Tell like, me why. Our, so I think that it's because personally, it just doesn't really fit into our business model. That's one of the things that we tell people all the time. I, I constantly, people that will contact us and will say, Ron, I want you to help me grow a massive Instagram following. And my very first question is, okay, why? Mm -hmm. why 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 do you want that how does it fit into your business model because you need to think about the different ways in which each of these different social media platform operates what they do and what they're favoring like at any given time because if you're working against what the platform's trying to do it's just not going to pan out for you so justin I,
0: (laughs) i am i'm still the one that's i'm like this is a carousel and you can either like it or not see it it's okay
1: Yeah. Jess and I have always utilized social media a lot of the same way that we do for our clients and that we utilize it for ad space and exposure and things like that. Um, Building an organic audience and bringing in referrals and stuff like that is absolutely an approach. That is definitely a way that you could do. I don't have time for that because I'm busy doing the things like for all of our clients and stuff like that. So if I want exposure on social media, I'll just pay for it because I don't really feel like impressions are that expensive in the grand scheme of things. And if at any point I decide that I want to switch into more of like an influencer role, or that I did want to build up more of kind of those uh, like social media based referrals because we get a lot of referrals, but they're all from past clients and stuff yep. like that. If I wanted to grow that portion, then yeah, I would probably dedicate a lot more time and energy to it. But for right now, it's just not it's not on my to do list.
0: <laughs> okay, I love every every piece of this. It's just so it's just so honest. Um, all right, so next steps for everybody: go and do follow Ron and Jess just because just do it. Because. <laughs> uh, maybe email hello at ronandjustmarketing.com to say hello to them. We're going to put all this in the show notes as well. And then, um, dude, I need to get up to St. Louis so we can have a beer. I want to hang out. Yes. I want to see. I just want to, I, I kind of want to just see like what it, what it feels like to sit around a brilliant mind like this. Cause I feel like you've got a lot to give. There's no way we could record. So, um, so yeah, guys, listeners, thank you so much for investing, man. This has actually been nearly kind of a long one. I'm going to hear about it from Jared. Uh, A a full hour of time spent just sort of like dreaming about who we are and what we are and how we can make it better. And uh, Ron, dude, thanks for for gifting us with that.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Last thing we have to say, this is your first podcast ever. It is.
0: Right? Yeah. Another thing that's just not
1: really been on the schedule up until now. (laughs) No, I think this is fantastic.
0: I just, I had to call that out because (laughs) now you're going to start getting hammered and I'm, listen, I'm listening to you freaking Nathan Chapman and Tom Wright and all my friends that also have podcasts. When you asked Ron to be on your podcast, he was mine first.
1: Yeah. People are going to get sick of hearing from me here in a little bit. I start popping up on episodes everywhere. <laughs> no way. People will have better questions than me. Anyway. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thank you. <laughs>